0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: God the Father has the revelation, and it's given, excuse me, to His Son notice the revelation of jesus christ which god the father gave to him and then who does he show it to who does jesus give this revelation to he gives it to an angel and then the angel speaks it signifies it to john and what is john going to do john's going to take that message and he's going to give it to the seven churches and to all believers you and i all throughout the ages very old book that we have in our lap and yet still unfulfilled Can I ever say-
0: Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants. There is an important reason why God gave this revelation of Jesus Christ. He gave it to his servant so that it might be shown, not hidden, and to be a blessing to those who read it. It was the angel of God who delivered it to the apostle John the same writer of the Gospel of John and the books of 1, 2, and 3 John. It's very clear that God used his servant to pass this revealing on to others so that we know him even more and to know what to expect. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's lesson. Was
1: it Five or six years ago, those, young, those four young teen ladies from Fairport were driving out by the Finger Lakes. They had no idea. that Their life was ahead of them. Boom. Gone. Their lives were taken from them. They, they thought they had years ahead of them. They were looking forward to marriages and graduations and kids and things that we all think about, but they didn't get that opportunity. So we don't know. So we should never play games with this kind of thing. This is eternity. This is not something that's just going to pass and, and everything's going to be better and then everybody will be in heaven. No, everyone will not be in heaven. You have to make the decision today, and don't play games with God any longer. You have no idea what tomorrow holds. You don't even know what today holds. My very next breath is a gift from God that I do not even know. He could take my breath. I could have a brain aneurysm standing before you and fall over, and I'm done. But God says, take this very seriously. That's why we read this book. It reveals who he is, our accountability to him. It shows us his great plan for the future, for the unjust and for the just. Hallelujah. (laughs) Right? Because you and I, when we look at the end of the book, boy, we got some great things coming, folks. Actually, the greatest thing coming is him when we see him in the clouds. The church raptured from the earth. We'll talk about that next week, the difference between the rapture and the second coming. They're two separate events. We will look at that. But let's look now at the very first verse here, now that we've had time together here. Let's read it. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Notice that it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at your Bible and look at the title of your Bible. Um, I've got a, a, a Cambridge Bible. Not this one, but I've got one where it says, and I'm looking at a picture of it right now, it says, the revelation of St. John the Divine. Does any of your Bible say that? It does? Cross it out. (laughs) It's not the revelation of St. John the Divine. Number one, John would be the first one to tell you that he's not divine, because divine is God. There's only one who's divine. So it's not the revelation of St. John, certainly, It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. The title gives it away. That's exactly what it is. It's a revelation of him, not John, and certainly not St. John the Divine, because John would be the first to say, I am not divine. Look to him, right? So if you've got the revelation of St. John the Divine, just cross it out and put the revelation of Jesus Christ. And maybe it was just because John penned the book that the publishers decided to put in there. I don't know, but we know the truth, right? This book is called The Apocalypse. And when we think of the modern definition of apocalypse, we think of the final destruction of the world. That's literally what we think of when we think of apocalypse. But do you know that the apocalypse, the the revelation of Jesus Christ, the word revelation is apocalypsis, which is quite different from what we think. Now, the, this book of Revelation does contain the apocalypse. It contains those things pertaining to the end. Certainly it does. But the word, we have to, we have to, be, we have to look at this, because the apocalypsis is an unveiling, an uncovering. Something that wasn't made manifest is now made manifest. The idea is like having a beautiful picture here that someone really famous painted, and it stretches the whole end of this, this stage, and it's covered with black velvet. And everyone is waiting. It's been talked about for months. He's finally got it done. And then he takes that curtain, the side of it, and everyone's looking. It's the best painting you've ever seen. And finally he takes it down. The wraps come off of it. It's revealed in its glory. That's what this word means. And that's what this is about. It's about the revelation of Jesus Christ that God the Father gave to him. And we're going to look at that in a minute. It's quite a bit different from Apocrypha. If you have a Catholic Bible, you know that there are several books in between the Old Testament and the New called the Apocrypha. Those are called hidden books because the authors are spurious and the content is not always factual. That's why it's not in our Bibles. But it means hidden. It's quite a bit different from this word, Apocalypsis, which is to reveal. Do you understand? One is to reveal... And the other one is to hide. Is God trying to hide anything from any one of us today? Does God want to hide anything from you? Or is he illuminating? Does he want to illuminate? Does he want to show you things? And why would he do that to begin with? Do you find that that you fear what you don't know? Isn't that true? We fear what we do not understand. We fear what we don't know is coming, but yet he has shown us what is coming. Maybe not to the minutest details of our own personal lives, but he's given us the bigger picture. And again, I've said this before, and forgive me if I sound like a broken record, but he's given us these things to encourage us. Because when you look around, there is no stability in the world. Everything is going crazy. And this is so important for us because God is saying, Don't you worry. Don't you fret. Don't settle down. Relax. I've got this covered. Everything is right on time, it's right on track. There's nothing that's happening without me under- knowing what is going on. In fact, I told you in advance, way before it even happens. So then it, when it does happen, you're going to be like, Wow, that's who we serve. Is your God omniscient? Or is your God like you, where I can't really see what's happening tomorrow? No, he is the Alpha and the Omega, He is the beginning and the ending, He's the first letter of the alphabet and the last letter. If there were any other letters to the left or to the right, he would be all of those two. He was always there. He never ceases to exist. He never ceases he never ceased to exist. He's outside of it all and he looks at it as a physical property and says, Because I'm God, I can tell you what's coming. I love in David, in in Psalm 139, what does it say? Lord, you even know my thoughts afar off. Before I speak a word, Lord, you know it. I love that. It's scary because then I know what he knows what I'm going to say a couple days from now. But yet he loves me today. Does he love you today? He does. And yet he knows what's coming. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows how you're going to fail him this very day and even this week. And yet, does he love you now? See, if it were me and I knew you were going to fail me three days from now, I'd be looking at you funny now. And I knew that about you. You're just a rotten, no good something. But God says, you know what, I've seen it all. I know exactly what you're thinking. I know what motivates you. And yet, out of even still with all that, I love you with all my heart. I, I would still go to the cross for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that the message? Isn't that a wonderful message? Have you let it sink down into your soul into your very being, that while you were yet sinner, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. That's a love that is unlike any love that you've ever experienced. And that is agape love. That is the love of God to you, Self-sacrificing. We could never deserve it. And he's always bestowing that love upon you and I. What a great and awesome Savior. He loves you. Isn't it wonderful to be loved by a holy God? And especially on this side. We know that we're not going to be on the other side. I don't know, to me, that, that ought to turn this into a big party. When we leave this room, we go into the other room there to fellowship and eat and hang out. What a great thing. But that's how great he is. But it's an unveiling it's an unveiling. The New Testament saints were eagerly awaiting this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, Paul said to them, he says, I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the apocalypsis. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, you're eagerly awaiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Even the Old Testament saints, they thought during their day Jesus would come back. They misunderstood Rome and Nero and Domitian, and who, who was alive during the writing of this? And that was why Paul was, or John was sent to Patmos was because of Domitian. Domitian hated him because of what John was able to share. They tried to boil him in oil. Wood didn't work. So they put him out in a mining colony out in, the, out in the Aegean Sea. Get rid of this guy. And yet God's love is so great. But they were eagerly awaiting. And it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus in Greek. In Hebrew, it's Joshua. That's what Mary and Joseph called him, Joshua, which is a contraction of Jehovah Shua. And his title... Christ or Christos literally means the anointed one. It means the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Joshua, the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah. That's what it means. Jesus, the anointed. And there are so many other names and titles in the book of Revelation, and we're not going to take the time to go through them all, but there's quite a few. I'll just name a few. The faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the son of man. He's the first and the last. He's the son of God, the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. He is the amen, and I love this one. He is the faithful and true witness. And there are many, many other titles of Jesus, all different facets of his character, like a diamond. Have you seen a big diamond, like the one I have in my office? It's about that big around. I got sci- it's biometric entry only, retina scans. You got to take a blood thing, you know, you got to prick your finger. Is it really you to get into my Yeah, it's a multifaceted. It's there on a big little altar. Of course, I'm only kidding. It's not that big. It's only about that. No, just... But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Of all the different things that Jesus has, has shown to us, he's like that multifaceted diamond. There's so many facets to him. He's, uh, in, a, in a sense, he's unknowable. I don't know about you, but that demands my reverence. It demands my awe. It demands everything, like the, the hymn we sing. demands my life, my all. When I consider this great God, so many facets of his beauty, of his holiness, of his compassion and grace and love, so many levels, so many, it's like peeling an onion that never stops. It's just one layer after another, and my uh, my jaw is just hitting the ground every single time. Is that who you serve? I hope it is, because a God that you can figure out, a God that you can finally put in the box and say, I've got it, I know who he is, there he is, he ceases to be God. But he is Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice something here in this first verse. Notice the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and he signified it by his angel to his servant John. I want you to notice the chain of command. And you can write this down, but it's right there. But it's a little out of order because of the, the, the way it's written in English. First, it's God the Father. God the Father has the revelation. And it's given, excuse me, to his son. Notice, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God the Father gave to him. And then who does he show it to? Who does Jesus give this revelation to? He gives it to an angel. And then the angel speaks it, signifies it to John. And what is John going to do? John's going to take that message and he's going to give it to the seven churches and to all believers. You and I, all throughout the ages, very old book that we have in our lap and yet still unfulfilled. In fact, the church age is not even over with. In chapter 3, the end of chapter 3 really speaks the end of the church age, and then the rapture of the church beginning in chapter 4, and from 4 onward has not happened yet. So we still have a vast majority of things ahead of us. But notice the chain of command. And Jesus only spoke those things that were given to him by his Father. He was completely submitted to him. He didn't make this up. It was something that was given to him. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 32, John the Baptist is speaking of of Jesus, and he says, And what he has seen, what Jesus has seen and heard, that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. He who He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. And the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. And let me read one more to you. This is awesome. John chapter 5, verse 20. It says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. Isn't that what happened here? God gives the revelation of not only of his Son... But he gives them the revelation of what is going to happen in the churches at that time and also what's going to happen after these things. After these things. It begins in chapter 4. After these things, Meta Tauta. After these things. For the Father loves the Son and has shown him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. And I love that. Doesn't that just encourage you? It's a message given from God to Jesus, to the angel, to John, and then finally to us. But are you, you know, it goes on in verse 1, he says, to give, to show his servants the word here is doulos, it's a, it's a servant, it's a bond slave. Are you a servant of Jesus Christ? Are you a servant to him? Even though you may be serving somebody else, because we all have a job, right? You go in and you're, you're actually a servant to some company, some corporation. Maybe you're a servant to yourself because you own a business. But are you a servant of Jesus? Because you can be a servant somewhere else and yet be, be a servant of God. Hopefully you're being a servant wherever God has placed you. You can serve him in your workplace. You may not be able to mention his name for fear of death. And I say that with a tongue in cheek. But on your lunch hours, after work, and if somebody asks you point blank, Hey, are you a Christian? You have the right to say, yes, I am. Would you like to hear about it? Yeah, I would. But let's wait until lunch. I'll wait for our break. I'll tell you all about it. But are you a servant? Are you a doulos? Are you a bond servant of Jesus Christ? Notice, things which must shortly take place, as it says in verse 1. And really what this means is, obviously it's been a long time since this was written. But what this means is that, the idea is that once it begins, it will unravel quickly. Because we know that it hasn't happened for nearly 2,000 years where we've been waiting. But the word here is, once it begins to happen, once these things begin to unravel, it's going to happen quickly. That's what it means. And he signified it by his angel. Signify is to make known something. And certainly the angel is going to show signs and symbols. And a lot of these things are defined for us in the Old Testament. A lot of these things Jesus defines for us. A lot of these things the angel will define for us what these things are. Now there are things in the book of Revelation as we get into it that are still a mystery to anybody. And anybody who thinks they've got a stone cold stamp of understanding on it is not really telling the truth. Because there's mysteries that are written here. There are creatures that are described, demonic hordes that are coming upon the earth that defy description. Even John had to use similes. He had to use similes. He had to say, it's, and even describing Jesus, it's, it's like this. It's as this. It's, it's sort of like this. You get the language? A lot of similes. It's like this. Because language fails what John had seen, but he tried his very best and gave us enough. But notice verse 2, that he sent and he signified it by his angel to a servant, John, who did what? Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. To all things which he saw, he bore witness. The word is martyrio. It literally means to bear record, to testify of something. And here John is saying, I bore witness and I testify to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's affirming that one that he's seen and heard or experienced something and he knows that it is by divine revelation or inspiration. In fact in John chapter 21 in John's gospel, in fact the whole thing was written why? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing in him you might have life through his name. Wasn't that the the main verse of John's gospel? That really summed up the entire gospel. And did John accurately and testify of Jesus, who he was? Yes, in fact, that's why the gospel of John was written. It was very different from the others. That's why they call them the synoptic gospels, because they were all covered similar things. Hence the word synoptic. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all carried the same kind of thing. But John says, oh, that's great, but I want to tell you who this is. This is the Son of God. He is God Almighty in the flesh. He is the Word become flesh. And that's what John says. So John certainly did. He bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. In fact, in John's Gospel, chapter 21, beginning in verse 24, he said, This is the disciple. John speaking of himself who testifies of these things and wrote these things the word testifies there is the exact same word as our word above who bore witness it means the same it's the same exact greek word to testify to bear witness John says i testified of these things and i wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. That's what he says. He bore witness to the word of God, the Logos, the very expression of God. And we know in John's Gospel, he spent a lot of time talking about the word, the Logos. In the beginning was the word, the Logos. And the Logos, the word, was with God. And the word, the Logos, was God. And then you're wondering, who is this word? Well, he tells you in verse 14, And the word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us, none other than Jesus Christ. And I love at the very end of this book, John bore witness of the word of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we don't have to guess either, because at the very end of the book, near the end, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, what does it say? Let me read it to you. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called what? Faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Isn't that the the description that we're going to read next week as we get into verse nine here in chapter one? It's consistent, and it ought to be because that's who he is. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself, and here it is. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God, the Logos of God. He is the Word of God. John bore witness of him.
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Revelation.